Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. All right. Um, man, I tell you, I've been at this a while. And I, I've discussed the police work and police officers. Most of my career, the... the, the um, Closest friends in the business, my closest friends. I got to tell you, um, amazing incident happened. Two amazing incidents. One amazing and the other one disgusting. We're going to talk about them both. Mount Lebanon played football game on Friday night. We went. My daughter loves football. First time in her life. It's actually cute. She's 17. All excited. She leaves her cell phone on the hood of a car. This actually happened. 9.30, we're sitting at home. We left early because they were blowing them out. Good from Mount Lebanon. My wife's phone rings. We're sitting on the couch. It's Mount Lebanon police. So her face goes blank. Seriously, pale. Blood drains from her face because the cop's calling a mom saying this is Mount Lebanon police. And he's calling from Sophia's phone, my daughter, 17. So... Cop says, uh, Mrs. Griffin, I was patrolling in the parking lot and I found a cell phone on a car. Seriously. The cops and you could use this emergency. You can call an emergency on someone else's phone and it dials right to, they call my wife. So first of all, he says, you need to contact Sophia. So I did. One of her friends answers. Sophia forgot her phone, blah, blah, blah. This cop who's patrolling didn't have to do any of this. None of this. Because you folks hate him. Because you can't stand police. Because they're all bad guys. He could have just said to hell with it. Who cares about the cell phone? Right? He could have kept driving. Because you folks say they don't care. Here's the other thing he did. He said, Mrs. Griffin, if you want, I will uh, drop the cell phone off at your house. That is police work. That's what they do, man. They give a damn. They really give a damn. Not only would they die for you today, and they would, this sort of thing goes unnoticed. The life-saving stuff that you could care less about as you talk smack on cops. They're not saints, but they're also not sinners. They're human beings. An incident happened over the weekend that, man made me question the sanity in the world. Made me question why anybody would be a cop. Honestly. Made me wonder what the hell have we come to? How low can we go?
And I got to bring in Police Union President Bob Schwartzwalder, who's kind enough to join me. Bob, how are you? Good morning, Marty. I hope your Thanksgiving went well. It's fabulous. So we're going to talk about morale. We're going to talk about cops and their mental condition right now. We're going to talk about COVID. But I want to talk about this incident because I tell you what, man, you live it. I don't. But I've been around a lot of cops in my life. They're my closest friends in the business. You know that. And I got some calls over the weekend that I've never heard a story like this in my life. Ever. Ever. There was a shooting on the south side. Great police work. They tracked down the car. They tracked down the driver of a car. It's a woman who's on probation, federal probation, for the shooting. Great police work. They bring her, detectives do, to um, police headquarters. She says she has to use the bathroom. This is gross and vulgar, but I got to tell this. The suspect is handcuffed, goes into the bathroom, uses the toilet, defecates, poops. Excuse me, I apologize if you think this is vulgar. She poops, defecates. She puts it in a feminine napkin that's in the bathroom. She walks out of the bathroom. This is a police officer, man. A really, really good detective. Fantastic. Has done so much work for your city, for my city. Stuffs the fecal matter into the face of a police detective. That's right. Stuffs the fecal matter into the face of a police detective. Bob, I I don't know, man. We're not using her name. But what the hell's going on, man? This is a new low, sir, is it not? It most certainly is, Marty. And and, and I like the description you gave of the detective because she is an excellent detective. I spoke with her today. Um, This all starts at the top. When when you have leadership, and I don't care, political leadership, uh, law enforcement leadership, you know, general citizen leadership, Anytime that they lead their dialogue or their monologue with, you know, police are bad or police are uh, not doing their job or you have these anecdotal incidents where, you know, maybe something went sideways in a police encounter and then you paint the profession with a broad brush, this is what what begins to happen. Man. This is exactly what begins to happen. And and this is an all-time low. You know, I've had, you know, I have a brother that worked in – uh, Department of Corrections and a lot of correctional environments. Oh, they, yeah. they, they they do that in the correctional they environment. Do. But but to see that happen where the officers being decent or the detectives being decent and providing for the basic needs of this the offender, and then this offender basically uh, goes into a cog- what we call cognitive criminal state where she says, "I'm going to actually defecate in a bag, and I'm going to smear it in this detective's God. face." That's that's a serious that's serious criminal behavior, and people might think, "Ah, oh, it's not a big deal." Well, she could come down with all kinds of diseases. She's going to be subject to testing for a lengthy period of time. She has to go have medical tests to make sure she didn't contract hepatitis or a multitude of things from this occurring. So so people know it was in her hair, in her eyes, in her mouth. Crap was, Bob. It's disgusting, man. It's exactly right. So That's a great description. It's absolutely disgusting, horrific. And uh, they're, they're, she's going to be charged, or she was charged with yeah. you know additional charges, but... You know, to think that this detective just went out of her way just to, to, to express the humanity of this off- offender that just shot somebody. Right. And to be repaid that way is just absolutely disgusting and horrific. By the way, so, so you don't blame the cops for letting her use the bathroom. 
is the law. By the way, so you don't say, well, why wasn't she in there with her? You're not allowed to be in the stall while a person uses the bathroom. She's doing her job, was she not, sir? That's correct. And so she gives her a privacy in being decent, and that's how she was repaid with this uh, uh, ridiculous uh, assault with uh, human waste. And by the way, he's right again. I think one of the most dangerous jobs on earth is a, um, a corrections officer. They go into hell every day, and they get stuff thrown at them, human waste, all the time. But for someone to come out of a bathroom, she didn't know that cop at all, this suspect. That's correct. The, the, the detective was just being decent right. human, and, and, and uh, be, uh, demonstrating humanity, and that's how she was repaid, which is, that's why I say, Marty, it all starts at the top. Whenever you have society uh, engaging in the dialogue with this leadership, basically saying the cops are at the bottom of the pit, this is what begins to happen. See, I agree with him. Slope. I think there is a, let's, they're all criminals. When all the cops are criminals and all the sinners saints, this is what we end up with, sir. That is correct. And, and you're going to see more and more of it. That's why you see, uh, you know, ambush attacks on police rising at exponential rates. Uh, and, and remember, there's another side of the slope where police officers are going to flee the field. That's right. And, and you're not going to be able to recruit. And they're just going to, you're going to have really good people that you want to enter the service. That's why I always compare it to post-Vietnam military where the military went through a dramatic change in post-Vietnam, and they had to do crazy things to, to attract people to get into the, to the military. They had to offer bonuses. They had to offer college educations. They had to do all these different things to keep the military boosted. But the thing about law enforcement is you're in the civilian world, and people are just going to say, well, I'll take my talents elsewhere. And, and it's proven on the Pittsburgh Police Department, and I have other union leaders from their police department saying I have a very difficult time recruiting right now. Oh, it's a nightmare. Bob Schwartzwald, we're talking about respect, law enforcement, an explosion in crime all over the country. And that incident is a new low, no matter how you look at it. It's disgusting. It's Marty Griffin talking about um, a multitude of things involving police and police attitude and the future of uh, law enforcement and police attrition. And I think this incident ties into it because it's so egregious that a woman under arrest for a shooting in handcuffs would actually want to hurt a cop so bad that she would crap, poop, and then stuff it in the cop's face. It happened over the weekend. And I think it kind of underlines where we're at in our culture. And, and I got to tell you, I got to be honest because I'm an idiot and I don't have their training, their intellect, or their tolerance for pain. I honestly would have felt like inflicting serious punishment after someone put a bag full of fecal matter in my mouth, hair, and eyes. And I got to tell you, Bob, no one talks about this. The tremendous restraint it takes not to do something violent to a suspect like that under those conditions, sir. Right? That is correct, Morty. And, and, and what happens is with the training, it, it never prepare you for that. No, man. You know, there's no there's no preparation in the training academy. I've worked there on and off in my career for nearly nearly 30 years training police officers. But the point is nothing will ever train the brain to say someone's going to take fecal matter and smear it in your face, hair, eyes, and things of that nature. But that's the character of the of the officer to be able to restrain, then take the person back into custody, get him restrained, and then process him through the system. But that's what I'm saying about society, law enforcement leaders, political leaders, et cetera. They need to recognize and start to 
change the dialogue or the narrative about how police officers should be treated. So I get this text from a cop that I would uh, trust with my life. It's just pure disrespect, Marty. I'd like anyone to say we're overpaid after hearing this story. Supposedly she shoved this fecal matter right into the detective's face and mouth. It happened. Um, Not to dwell on it, but I think it ties into there's a mass exodus across the country. There are a significant number, an historic number of cops not retiring, right? Quitting, sir. Correct, resigning. That's correct, Morty. And on our, in the Pittsburgh Bureau of Police, we track all this data. And you and I have discussed this before. But up until this year, since about 2014 through this year, the resignations have almost surpassed our retirements by double the number. Whoa. So what's happening is you're losing from the top, we'll call it standard attrition, you know, by retirement, reaching full 20 plus years of service. But the problem is you have these young cops or young police officers that are leaving, fleeing the field, and they're either going into another law enforcement agency because of finances in the city. Right. Or they're just getting out of police work altogether because they said, hey, I, I, got, I got into this profession to help. I got into this profession to assist and better, better my community. And this is, my, this is the pure disrespect that I'm receiving. So I'm going to go do something else completely away from law enforcement. And you're seeing that in small communities now, even ones that pay pretty well. They have difficulty recruiting. There's a, a community didn't have a chief at all. No department at all. Local community. No well, cops at all. Well, you, you, the other thing that you're seeing is they can't really afford it, and so they pull in the state police. That's right. And they're pulling the state police in to do the local policing now, and the state police are going to be getting stressed. Well, they're 800 men short. Well, they're, So think about that. That's one of the best-paid police departments in the Commonwealth. Right. They have excellent, and, and that's a credit to the Pennsylvania State Troopers Association, their union, things like that, that have done a good job, and the governor to a certain extent, because right. the governor's pretty fair with the troopers. Um, and they can't even fill their ranks. And that's pretty sad when you're well-paid, you get a really good pension, uh, there's a lot of lateral and uh, vertical mobility in that in that, in that that police force, in that state trooper police force, and you still have people leaving. Hey, and they don't want to join. Help me with the math on this. How do you restrain yourself? And I can't get off this because it's so disgusting. How do you, as a cop, restrain yourself from not beating the daylights out of this person? Or hurting them? Seriously. Well, primarily, it's it's going to be it's going to play a lot into the officer's individualized ability to restrain. Right. And this particular detective has a very good mindset. Yeah, I've heard. Uh, she's sh- very sharp, and she probably initially, at least when I talked to her, uh, she was in shock. Right. Initially, like you know, stunned almost for she a had second. Had to go to the hospital. Right. She had to regain her composure, get assistance, and take this person into custody. And you'll see that a lot, even where people spit in police officers' faces or. Uh, uh, do other things to police officers. You'll see it in the field where they don't react, but then they then they react professionally. They they end up moving in, restraining right. the individual, and taking them into custody. But you do have anecdotal incidents. Yeah, but we always hear about them. Correct. This makes every cop a criminal and all the sinners saints. Well, that's what that's what leads, right? So if, right. if we could just show show of the millions and millions and millions and millions of contacts that police interact with people every day around this country. If we just take that very, very small anecdotal incident, just like we did with the Catholic priest or we did with a hospital or any other profession, you know, once you get one little minor incident, well, now let's paint the the Catholic priest as all bad, or let's paint the physicians as all bad, or let's paint the police as all bad, or teachers, let's paint them as all bad. And with that vibe, they're saying to hell with this, I'm out. Correct. And and you're going to lose people that way. All right.
You got to hang. There's so much more to get to, folks. You know what I love about Mondays? Kiki Brown, my dear friend. How are you, my friend? What is good in the hood? Oh, Marty, 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 happy Monday. You know what's good? HBCUs are great in the hood. But not many of us here in Pittsburgh know what an HBCU is. So an HBCU is a historically black college and university, right? So since Spike Lee's school days, I've always wanted to attend an HBCU. But it's not about the dancing or the pledging, but just for the belonging. A lot of the people that I saw in movies like School Days, Stomping the Yard, Drumline, or even Beyonce's Homecoming look like me. And I wanted that full HBCU experience but I never got it. And even today, I have regrets that I've never attended an HBCU uh, school. And so according to an online source, I read that today there are currently 107 HBCUs with more than 228,000 students enrolled. Now, this is awesome to hear, but Pittsburgh being known as a city not very livable for African Americans, it doesn't welcome the idea of HBCU or that experience for young black students until now. And I speak with uh, Vince Elliott tomorrow. He is the founder and president of the Western PA HBCU alumni program. And it helps young interested students apply and attend HBCU schools. But they're not just placing students in just whatever school they want. They're actually matching them with the ideals of the school and the hopes and focus of the student and putting them in the exact school that meets their focus. That's awesome. That's concentration and that dedication. It's an inspiring story, Marty. I love it. You got to check it out tomorrow right here on KDKARadio.com. And more inspiring stories coming up. August Wilson's childhood home is right here in the city of Pittsburgh in the legendary Hill District. Not many people know about it. It's under construction, but it's not just a house on a hill. It's a house with amazing programs for aspiring artists here in the city. And I talked to August Wilson's nephew, Paul Ellis, and he talks about all the great things happening at the August Wilson house. Didn't even know that August Wilson's childhood home was in the Hill District. So you're going to learn something tomorrow and more weeks to come only on KDKARadio.com for what's good in your hood. Marty, I'm excited about these two stories. Here's why I love you. This is why we think alike, and this is why I love hearing from you. So, big piece this weekend, Wall Street Journal. Sent it to all my friends. And the gist of it is that the historical black colleges and universities mm-hmm. provide an insanely good money-making opportunity, historically successful for African-Americans. Yep changing the landscape in America. It's the first time, by the way, I've seen such research, especially from such a prestigious and conservative newspaper as the Mm -hmm. Wall Street Journal. Absolutely verifying everything you're saying, my dear, that they have been Mm -hmm. gold for African-Americans. Fantastic stuff. Absolutely. Thank you. Kiki Brown, you're the best. Talk to you again. Okay, Marty, have a good one. She's right. Hey, um, Bob Schwartzwalder, police union president. So, fascinating what she's talking about. Really, really, really hard to recruit and hire minorities to be police officers right now. Right? I, I agree with you, Marty. And there was a piece, I, I can't remember the report that did it. She reached out to me and I advised her to seek out the data of the applicants. In other words, applicant data. Right, right. So let's say in the city of Pittsburgh, let's say the based on the latest census, that it is 24% African-American. You're right. Okay, so let's go with that. 
the proper metric then is to go look at the applicant data through civil service and see how many African-Americans are applying to, for the job. And what you're going to find, it's about 14 to 16% of all the data, and our force is close to 16 or 18% African-American right now. So you're actually matching the applicant data, but you're below the general census data. And that becomes the thing you really want to look at. You want, and 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 then what's happening is they're being recruited away. That's right. I have an excellent police officer. She she had ten years, so she's female. She's African American, highly educated, and was one of the only female bomb technicians in the entire Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Wow. The county recruited her away. Why? She gave up ten years as a sergeant on our job to go take a introductory job with the county police because of pay. I have another hold on, officer. Hold on, hold on. It's it's that different. Correct. Oh, substantially different. Okay, give me an example. Right now, if you enter, I, I have another female, uh, African-American wow. female police officer. She went to Duquesne University. Brilliant woman. Brilliant. Right. right. Excellent police officer. Worked out of East Liberty Station. Recruited by the Sheriff's Department. She out-earns me in her first three years, and I have 29 years with the city. What? Yep, she out-earns me with 29 years of service. She out-earns me there. They're recruiting. Wow. Them. They're going to recruit them away. And and I've said this on uh, hold on, on man. She makes more than you in her first year with the sheriff's department, and you've been there thirty years. Clo- she makes more than me after about eighteen or nineteen months. Wow. She makes more than that, and that's with my longevity. That's with a that's with a twenty five plus year longevity check that I received. So that's a bonus based on twenty five years of service or more. So why would you stay received- here, anyone? Well, correct. Now a lot of us uh, stay because we are in too deep. So we'd have to give up our pension, uh, too many years of service, things like that. And we're kind of, we were, we were raised by our families where we had two, three jobs. It's probably like you yep. where today, like my son's probably had more jobs than I've had in his short life, 27 years than I've had my whole life. Right. So it's just, it's just a different cultural issue. But the main thing is just what you're saying. Are African-American uh, individuals applying for this level of service? They're saying no. Because they're going to get hit from the culture itself. Right. The law enforcement. Hold bad. on. So people know this. Bob, they get beat up on the streets, man. Oh, I, I, Verbally, I know. Right? I, I, that's absolutely true. Cops in general get beat up, period, by society. But they're going to get a double hit because from the culture, their own culture, they're going to be, what are you doing working for them? Sell out, Uncle Tom. I, that's all correct. Yep. All those words. That's correct. And you talk to any African-American police officer, any of them, they'll tell you they've been called that at least multiple times on calls multiple times throughout their careers. And the longer they're here, the more they, they've been, been addressed that way. So now they're, they're getting beat up at just being a police officer themselves. And then in, uh, uh, in their own culture, they're getting beat up. So you know what they're saying? I'm going to take my talents either, either elsewhere or I'm not going to get into the profession at all. Why would you? And that's why you got to look at the applicant data. Do not look at general census data. Look at the number of African-American uh, individuals that are applying for the job. Hey, adding that to what we're talking about with the departure of a significant number Mm -hmm. of officers, we're headed toward what you describe as a crisis, are we not? Well, we're in a crisis. In the city of Pittsburgh right now, and we've discussed this before, I have 257 police officers that can walk away from the job tomorrow morning. Retirement. They can decide, hey, I'm going to retire. They're fully vested in their pension. They can just leave. And we have nobody ready to be hired. There's no academy class. Correct. And it's, going to, and it's going to take at least 18 months to put them in. And we've said this before on your show. They're setting the new mayor up for failure by not having that recruit class ready to go 
because I've already had probably close to 80 officers this year or 81 that have left and we're not finished. You know, we still have another month of this year left that they could walk out and then the new year's coming and you don't have a list established and you don't have one body in training in the police. It's insane, man. It is insane. You're setting people up to get hurt. Correct. And my, my officers right now are being held over in zones, five to six officers. And now, you know, we're on 10 hour shifts. Now. Right. So they're holding them over because they can't staff the shift. They don't have officers for the shift, so they say, you have to stay. Correct. And, and mandatory holdover daily in every single zone in the city. Man, dangerous stuff, folks. Dangerous. Bob Schwarzwald, Union President, kind enough to join me. Started off the show talking about a really highly regarded police detective arrested a, a, a suspect this weekend for a shooting with a, a long history on, on federal probation African-American woman, handcuffed her, brought her to police headquarters. She said, I have to use the bathroom. She goes in the bathroom. She defecates into a bag of sorts and um, comes out of the bathroom. She wiggles out of the cuffs and stuffs the fecal matter into the face of the police officer. Never heard of anything so disgusting in my life. Bob, we've been through the 60s, right? Street riots, the Vietnam War, post-Vietnam. Is this the worst you've seen it in terms of public attitude toward police and police attitude about, I'm getting the hell out of here? Have you? Is it the worst you've seen? This is the crisis point, in my, my opinion, Marty. Uh, across the country, uh, when you start at the president of the United States and you work all the way down to local leadership, when those groups of individuals that have a lot of say-so in society, and people rely on them, right, right. they're government officials, and they use terminology that paints the police as a problem then society believes it. And then society starts to respond in kind. And that's what I think you're seeing. So people are going to back away from the profession. They're not going to enter it. You're not going to have uh, transition periods where you have young cops uh, transitioning into the veteran cops and this constant uh, improvement. And you're not going to have a learning organization anymore. So law enforcement is going to lose its, its what I refer to as deep smarts. In other words, they understand the nice. organization, they understand the culture, things like that. And you're just going to have a crisis in policing where it's going to become a revolving door. And the, it, and who's put at risk? Besides the police themselves. Citizens. Is That's right. Is the communities themselves. And it's, it's unfortunate to say, unless they get on it right now, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Be careful what you wish for. This is what people wanted. Well, remember, you, you all, society will always achieve the criminality it seeks. They will. So if they believe in decriminalizing every single item out there, remember, you get to a tipping point, and then you tip over. And then how do you get back? So you don't want to go into overreactions. You always want to have a balanced reaction. So people really need to pay attention to the doctrine of unintended consequences. Remember when you make these changes, what's it look like first order, second order, and third order effects down the road? Okay, so before you go, I got to talk to you about COVID. Sure. You lost in court yesterday, last week, in essence, right? So now cop, cop, excuse me, cops are dying from COVID, but still a bunch of them won't get vaccinated. And they're saying to me, look, this is my decision. We should be able to arbitrate this. What's the mood about that? Cops are saying to hell with you. Well, remember, Marty, there's, there's two different arguments here. Right. And I'll keep it, try to keep it very simplistic. No, of course. The arguments that, that we've made in Lodge 1 are strictly labor arguments. Right. We have not raised a federal constitutional question. What happened 
on the county side, we'll call it, we'll just keep it generally county, they raised a constitutional question and a labor question. If you look at what the judge did, the federal judge, she said, hey, no federal constitution question. I'm not going to grant what they refer to as a preliminary injunction because that's a high bar. Right. But they're still going to try the permanent injunction for the mandate, only the mandate, and they can still pursue their labor areas. We're only pursuing labor. What do I say about that? I do believe it's an individualized uh, decision. And you know me, Marty. I'm vaccinated through the booster. Through the booster. Okay. But the problem is somebody's got to tell me who's going to inherit any side effects. Right. You and I, we we took our risks. Right. right? We, We jumped in. We dove in the swimming pool. Sink or swim. Right. That's what we did. Right. But I have other officers that they have allergic reactions. They've got other issues and they're concerned. Hey, what if something happens to me, anything from this force mandate, who's going to take care of my family? And that's their concern. Every one of them to the person that don't want to be vaccinated, that's their concern. All right. And finally, I'm getting a lot of messages from folks who want to support the police officer who's the victim of this disgusting, disgusting case involving fecal matter. And they want to either donate or send uh, support messages. But so we're clear. We're not naming her. We don't want her exposed. This Correct. Way, do she doesn't either. Right? Right. All right. So you folks know this. But she appreciates, I'm sure, the support. She does. And, and um, she's... She okay? She'll, she'll get there. I mean, she's, like I said, she has to go through some testing for a while. And eventually, uh, she'll probably get a clean bill of health. But in the interim, she's going to have to go to regular testing until uh, over a period of time to determine whether or not she's going to have any side effects. And has to be traumatized. She, it is. Come on, man. But she has such a good positive outlook on life. She's a great person. Um, I, I truly believe I shall come through to stronger. Bob, it's a pleasure, man. You always do one thing that's so important. You tell the truth. Thanks, my man. Thank you, Marty, for having me. All right. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 